Hello guys, what is up? My name is Dylan. Welcome to the first official episode of the Popcorn Podcast. It's been uh, a long time coming and uh, I'm finally super excited to launch this. Uh, hopefully this is going to be a, no, not hopefully, it is going to be an ongoing thing. Uh, and I thought what better way to kick off the uh, podcast with uh, my very good friends uh, who will shortly introduce themselves. And uh, we thought today's uh, topic of discussion uh, was none better, really, than to discuss the uh, 2023 Oscar nominations, which came out, I believe, a couple of hours ago. So it's uh, still very new, still very fresh. Um, and yeah, guys, I would very much like to introduce uh, my fellow guests, uh, my fellow film comrades, enthusiasts and filmmakers alike. Um, so guys, uh, take it away. I think we'll start with uh, Mickey here to my right. God. So here we go. What do you want me to say? Just introduce myself. Dude, dude just introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Mickey. I am uh, a writer, director, and I also run a very uh, a startup production company. Uh, and I love film and uh, here to chat film. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> and to my my company's called Look Aside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's correct. There we go. And uh, to, the, to my left, we have... My name's Panwa. Uh, I'm the original <laughs> flick fanatic, uh, the god of films, if you will, uh, the Lord Commander of movie making. Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Flick Fanatics, and that's yes. how Dylan and I met. Uh, yeah, through it's a very romantic story. Actually. The the wonderful world of YouTube. Yeah, Dylan um, DM'd Panwa. Right? I actually you did. did, and then you did <laughs> a review for my film. Which I was did. Very touching. I did. Which brings me to the second thing, which is I also make films, um, and and I'm not so bad at it. But sometimes I'm bad at it, and sometimes I'm very good at it. And that is actually how I met our third guest. Yes, yes, Mr. Number Three, <clears throat> Mr. Third Guest. Yeah, no, I've worked with Pamwa, and I met Dylan and and Mickey through through Pamwa. Um, this is Theo, by the way, guys. Yes. Theo Brown. <laughs> My name is Theo Brown, and I uh, I make films. I've made a few films with Pamwa at university, and uh, yeah, just general film lover as well. Very good. Very nice. Um, so, as I just mentioned, we are going to be talking about the. Uh, Oscar nominations that just came out a couple of hours ago uh, for 2022 as a year in film. So just before we do get into the nominations, guys, I do want to open up um, a little conversation segment. What does everyone think about the Oscars in general? What is everyone's attitude towards the Oscars? Do we like the Oscars? Do we not like the Oscars? Uh, Theo, let's start with you. Well, I was talking to Mickey just before um, we started shooting and... We're trying to save all the good conversations for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. But you did say something interesting, which was uh, how the Oscars have become like a, a marketing. Well, they've always been a marketing ploy. Like since the original Oscars, they wanted to make films, you know, give films a prestige and and sort of it's another way of sort of spreading awareness for, for new films. But more than ever, you have big companies like Apple and Netflix really campaigning quite hard. And it's given the Oscars a different feel. Um, mm. I don't know what you have to say about that, Mickey. But No, I agree. I mean, to me, the Oscars have definitely been always and have kind of in lately since streaming it's become there's been a lot more marketing involved and this is not necessarily like a bad thing or a good thing. It's just it's not black and white. What's the best film? What film do you, you know, what's the either critics favorite or the people's favorite? It's, you know, specific production companies pick films that then they market, they campaign, they can't really afford to campaign more than one. So a lot of films get left behind just because the company won't invest the time and energy into campaigning those to get awards and Oscars. I think of 
all um, kind of award shows, the Oscars is still the one that is a lot of shows, to not name them, but a lot of them are like advertising spots mm. at the end of the day. I think the Academy definitely holds that prestige. And I think these past two years, three years, they've gone back to a better way. I think like from 2015 to 2020, they really lost their touch on like things they were nominating and what's going on. These last few years has been going really well, in my opinion. Uh, but I don't like that it's not like, it can never be, it's never been probably like historically in film, it's never been to what the best film is, but it's been like which company can put most money into the campaign. And these are like multi-million dollar campaigns. So it's a lot of work. Um, so that's my issue with the Oscars, which but it's not a criticism because it makes sense if you think about it. Mm. I, I would say one of the best elements of the Oscars is spreading awareness for films that mainstream audience wouldn't have necessarily heard of. Yep. Mm. So, for example, for me, um, Sound of Metal, I saw that that was nominated a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and wanted to watch all the nominations, so I so I got to that. Um, Moonlight, obviously, won, won Best Picture, which... Or um, La La Land. La La, <laughs> La La Land did for, like, four minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, Spotlight and Whiplash. I guess these films, through the Oscars, have become bigger names. Mm. Um and you know her was nominated um so yeah there's definitely you know a good element and also the stories behind the nominations as well i always love a good oscar story mm. um whether it's like timothy chalamet being the youngest you know um nominee for his age in 90 years or something like that um or matt damon and ben affleck winning for for good will hunting yeah. and Os oscar oscar yeah. romantic stories where you know will leo finally win for the revenant or you know mm. um what will you know matthew mcconaughey have to say when he wins uh for right, dallas buyers right, club right, right. <laughs> for sure for sure man. um those are the sort of oscar moments that we we've i think we've been missing in the past few years yeah and i think the comedy's become a bit sterile mm. uh, with the host and stuff you know we used to have who is the person that used to do a medley at the beginning of every Oscar in the 90s? Was it... Um, Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal. Yeah. And that was that was always fun. It always gave it a certain level. Now you just have impromptu slaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I, I would like a return to sort of, you know, a, a slightly lighter 90s Oscars. I was watching uh, when Robin Williams received his um, Oscar mm. um, in Good Will Hunting. And, you know, he didn't make any political statements or anything. He just made a couple of jokes about the people he worked with, you know, how Matt and, and Ben are super young. And, and he just made a few jokes and took it as an award. And, and, and it was um, very nice. I think nowadays it, it, it's people use it as a platform to sort of pitch yeah. whatever moral thing they want to pitch mm. that year, which I find is it's a good platform to do it. Leonardo did it with environmentalism and stuff. Um, but, yeah, sometimes you just want to just enjoy yeah you know mm. celebration and not have it be too heavy-handed mm, for sure somebody has done their research for this, uh, this episode <laughs> for sure i mean uh for me personally i think um uh, like since i was a kid just hearing the oscars it was uh it was it was a big thing i mean like for a film to win an oscar um i thought like oh it's you know it's got to be good but of course as i was growing up and um sort of becoming more film literate uh, and you get to experience a wider range of films, you know, then so the Oscars become you, you you look at them differently. And I can't help myself every year when the nominations do come out. Um, I, I do I do react uh, in certain ways, depending on the films. And, you know, of course, 
I do want to see the films that I really liked getting the you know the recognition that they deserve, and when they don't, then obviously there is a tendency to you know just sort of you know not not feel great. But um, I think overall, I think I agree with you. I think there was a period where it was really sort of becoming like uh, just oh, it's just the Oscars, this and that. But recently, I think they've been giving att- attention to a lot lot more diverse films for sure and uh, a couple have um fortunately actually been nominated this time mm. around which i was very happy to see which we'll get on to panwa what about yourself so i i actually have very much a love-hate relationship with, yeah. with, with i used to like you find it extremely kind of glamorous and yeah. sort of flamboyant ostentatious and it would some be something that i would actually use to stay up for yeah I would get like the Now TV like subscription for one day and then make a fake email account just so I can stay <laughs> up and watch it, right? And I remember when, when Deacons won in seven twenty well, he was nominated in twenty seventeen won for in eighteen. I was like doing laps yeah. of the room, like, oh my god, it's incredible. Um but you know, contrary to what you, you and Mickey just said, actually, I think as the Oscars have become more diverse, as they have gotten a grip and, and a touch of what people you know what films people actually watch and what they love and 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 you know as evidenced by these nominations and nominated films that people have seen more of in a way i almost feel as if they're losing a bit of that prestige Mm -hmm. and a little bit of that glamour because it's almost as if you know there was that running joke about how oscar films that were um nominated for oscars were kind of these old white people films that no one had ever seen and now it's almost become films that are just kind of like the TikTok generation where, where everyone can just sort of like, oh my God, like, not to spoil it, but like everything everywhere at once has been nominated. This is such like, a, it's such a win for everyone. Mm. Like, oh, f- off. It's a great film. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I feel as if now people's reactions to the Oscars are not what they used to be. Yeah. And the respect that they have and the respect that the the name itself, the brand itself commands is not what it used to be. Absolutely. I used to think like, oh my God, it would be the greatest achievement of my bloody career if I got to go up there and, and, and hold an Oscar and, and, you know, thank all the people that I love and then, you know, give the bird to all the people that I hated or, you know, whatever. It, it's magical. Mm. And like Theo said, the brilliance of it was people who used to go up there and be genuinely grateful for films and be genuinely grateful for the things, uh, the people that have helped them got up to that bloody stage and hold that uh, golden trophy. It ain't that anymore. It's people going up there talking about what he said. Yeah. Um, and that sells these days. Mm. Humanity and heart and just being grateful and appreciating the fact that you get to stand up there doesn't sell these days, yep. right? Uh, or at least not as much as it used to. McConaughey going up and saying, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> is no longer cool these days, apparently. That is is what's fun. Yeah. Not I for me. I think something really bright coming to the Oscars soon is that, you know, now the Academy is definitely like not diverse enough, but also the age of the Academy is very, you know, it's, it's, there's, there's a change that has to be made. And now this generation of uh, filmmakers, especially filmmakers in their forties, fifties right now, and actors as well. And writers, directors, that line is getting blurred so much. So a writer, director is now a producer, often actors are opening their production companies left and right so when they are accepted into the academy one day there's going to be a huge generational shift into who actually votes for these things and we're going to see like in 20 30 years a massive you know change into what we what we see nominated just because the people voting for the nominations is going to be they're going to be people who are seeing the industry in a whole different light for sure because that's the thing now like now the academy is voting for these films that are you know 
shaping the industry, but the academy, the people in the academy in a lot of ways are from a different industry entirely, yeah. especially since streaming. Like it's in the past 10 years, this, this is like a whole new age of film. So there is a massive shift coming soon, I think. Can I just say one thing before of we course, move on to the course. nominations, which I think is makes this year's list of nominations actually really great in yeah. my opinion. Um, sometimes we have years in which it's just the old guard where you see Scorsese, Spielberg, Ridley Scott, James Cameron, whatever. And that's great. But then some years you have, say, something like uh, 2016 to 17 mm. with La La Land, Manchester by the Sea. That was a great, mm, great yeah. year, Moonlight and everything. But it was all new people. Yeah. It was all, except for maybe Mel Gibson for Hacksaw Ridge. And what I always love is when there's a bit of a balance. Yeah. And this year, you know, you have Avatar, obviously James Cameron, you have Steven Spielberg, Fablemans, but you also have the newer talent of the Daniels the for everything, yeah. everywhere. You have someone like Todd Field and Tar, who is not quite as well known, but will become well known. You know, so in my opinion, the Oscars is at its best when it is respecting its past just as much as it is embracing the future. That's a really That's good a point. Beautiful way of yeah. putting it. Honestly, I am a wordsmith. You really are, <laughs> and that, guys, is why I have panel on the podcast. Um, just before we do get on to the nominations, very, very quickly, uh, general consensus: How does everyone feel about twenty twenty two as a year in film? Do we like it? I thought 2022 was incredibly strong. Okay. And I'm going to go to panel last because <laughs> I know you have some things to say. Yes. Theo, what about you? Well, <clears throat> and my initial reaction to that question uh, when you asked it a couple of days ago was, yeah, 2022 was great. Um, but actually, Pamwa... Opened uh, his eyes. Pamwa oh. then opened my eyes and said, <laughs> the expectation was so high yeah. and it really didn't live up to it except for when all these random films that we hadn't been expecting came through and ended yeah. up being the better ones so for example this year we had everything everywhere all at once triangle of sadness argentina 1985 living mm. rrr and the batman well the batman was already you know ex ex had a high expectation but those other ones we didn't we weren't really that wasn't on my radar mm. until they sort of came across and then i was like okay well these ones are the best ones of the year um things like top gun and Babylon were very good experiences as well. But the things that maybe the expectation was higher, but then wasn't as good maybe as the the, the previous film yep. that it came from. So Avatar, which we could we have differing opinions, but I thought was solid, but not as good as the first one. Or Glass Onion was solid, but not as good as the first one. Uh, nope was good, but not as good as Get Out. Mm. Um, Banshees was good but not as good as in bruges or billboards Banshee's these are funny one these are yeah. all of you know obviously my personal opinions yeah. but the expectation was super high and i felt like a lot of the time i was sort of not it was never superseding my expectation okay. it was always sort of on it or under it um for those but yeah, yeah. pamwa yeah so with each year of film that comes out I, I find it very interesting that i, I one of the things i try to do is almost see if like 2021 was the year of 2022 yeah. was the year of what for me 2021 was the year of big blockbusters of the return of big blockbusters that were done the classic way yeah whether that be dune no time to die west side story uh the snyder cut right mm. uh no way home even to a certain extent um and i can see that very clearly like if you look at my top 10 list the only two films one could consider small or indie that year that were on that list were Malcolm and Marie and The Green Knight. Everything else was mainstream or big to a certain extent. Mm. And they were mainstream and big, but done in a, in a classy and cro with craftsmanship. Yeah. 2022, excuse me, um, was the year for me of um, 
big films that ended up disappointing or the year of films that were meant to be great that ended up not being great. And I elaborate. Um, you had films that didn't even come out, such as The Killer or Killers of the Flower Moon, which ended up coming up this year. You had films like, um, you know, Marvel films. We were coming off such a high from Marvel films with obviously Black Widow being met, but uh, Shang-Chi, uh, Eternals, and then No Way Home, one, two, three, punch. And then you go into Doctor Strange and Thor Love and Thunder, yeah. which tanked it for a lot of people, Theo included. Um, <laughs> you had, uh, you know, films that were delayed, such as, uh, big superhero films that were delayed, such as The Flash and Aquaman 2, leaving us with The Batman, which may be the only film to come out last year that completely I mean, you met have Black expectations. Adam. No, you have <laughs> Black Adam. Like, Black come on. Adam, what the <laughs> hell? You know, uh, but most importantly, you had loads of films that people were so hyped for um, that weren't blockbusters, yep. but ended up fizzling out completely, such as Amsterdam, right? Amsterdam was so highly anticipated, one of the greatest casts of all time, fizzles out absolutely doesn't even like make you know a dent yeah. and then you have films that make dents in the wrong way uh by the way empire of light also another film that i wanted to love yeah kind of fizzled out for don't worry as darling, much as i love as well. we'll i was gonna say that yeah. don't worry darling came you know it, it it exploded onto the scene but for all the wrong reasons yeah <laughs> and then just came and went and it was a year of people films coming and going without much fanfare and that, for me, is why I actually felt 2022 was very disappointing, but saved by the unexpected, you know. Mm. Yes, Triangle of Sadness, Argentina, RRR, The Living, all of these films that weren't on the radar, mm. but kind of saved 2023. I judge my years by just a very simple, how many films blew me away this year? Because every year there's great films. Every year, like, if you look hard enough, every year has amazing films. But I'm talking how many films, like, blew me away. Like, five out of five, super solid. And I think 2021 for me was what you say. Because 2021 was the year initially that all of us were like, oh, all these, you know, corona releases, all these, like, postponed things, they're all going to come on yeah. all at once in 2021. And then 2021, I found really disappointing. Oh, wow. I found 2021 had, like, one film that I was, like, Blown what away. What was your favorite? Was it? I loved. Um, what, what did I love most? Uh, I'll check my letterbox. Sure. Yeah. I'll check, but 2020 had a lot of good stuff. Um, but <laughs> wow. 2022, I had like I've had like four films that have been yeah. like for me, like flawless almost. Like no film wow. is flawless, but like really. So the way I judge it is like, you know, you've got your your films that are great but then you've got your films that like to me resonate so hard yeah. so 2022 i had so many of those the lost daughter 2021 that I was your favorite i love you, you weren't the biggest fan of the lost daughter were you no no that was maggie Jillian hall with tea time pictures love the company great yeah. company they do amazing things i we'll, we'll get onto it in a second when we talk about it but i said to theo and dylan when i saw it with them after the sun is what i hope lost daughter would have been Mm. I, I much preferred After uh, Sun. They're quite similar films. They, but they are both in, have in, poor in atmosphere. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. But I loved After Sun, and I was yeah. immensely underwhelmed yeah. by the Lost Daughter. But yeah. hey, that was that was Dylan, last year. What do you think about the year in film? I personally think I'm a bit. I'm, I'm a mix of both because I think I share a lot of the same favorites as you guys, but I also have the more sort of obscure films, like for example, Cha Cha Real Smooth, which the pair of us loved you didn't love no. i don't think i, I don't know if you've even seen it uh theo um i think 2021 um 2022 uh apologies um i personally think it, i think it was a great year in film. i don't know how it holds up to 2021 but what i can say about 2022 with regards to blockbuster films is that it's clear that 
the the elephant in the room which is marvel um you know the 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 films that came out in 2022 just they were for the majority of time misses plus tv shows as well plus tv shows incredibly so i think overall it wasn't a a great year for marvel one of the worst years i'd say in years for sure um and because of that people looked to these other films that weren't technically part of big franchises um and i know i say that and then I'm going to say Avatar as well, and it's, it's like one of the biggest franchises ever. But um, Avatar, of course, made its return. It's the artful blockbuster. It is. It Top really Gun, is. Top it's Avatar. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, Top Batman. Gun Maverick, to anyone who doesn't know, was my personal favorite film of 2022, uh, despite not me thinking it is the best film of 2022. But like just those big action blockbusters that really remind you why going to the movies and experiencing the 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 sheer size and scale of those projects are are really worth it was was the sort of the the magic for me this year so avatar top gun maverick even like something like the northman which i know a lot Mm. of people didn't see and it didn't turn out to be super profitable i thought was really 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 great and it's quite sad because that 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 the film didn't do well because i think it is it was one of the few films that i've seen recently um that have really maintained an artistic vision to it um, a film of that size, and yeah. to, you know, to see that was just really, really shocking. Special. That got made. Yeah, it's shocking. It really the is. Studio paid so eighty million for that film. Ninety, ninety million. Can yeah, I, yeah. Can I say something That's to shocking. Mickey that I said to you the other day? Go for it. Um, this doesn't really have much to do with the current climate of films, but it actually, it does. Um, so what I said to Dylan the other day was, we were going through our list of underrated films mm. and films that we felt were underappreciated. Now we are all around the same age. We grew up being told by everyone to hate the prequels we grew up being told by everyone that michael bay's transformer films are you know awful what i realize now that i'm a bit older and i can think and speak for myself is that these films are a class of blockbuster filmmaking that we no longer get but are slowly but surely coming back because in the 2010s the most celebrated films generally were the smaller films that were dense that were intricate and detailed your social networks your parasites Mm. uh your hereditaries right your blade runner 2049s even though that was quite big Mm -hmm. but your whiplashes and birdman's i said to dylan the other day that for me one of the last epic true epic masterpieces made was pirates 3 (laughs) all right now again this has nothing to do with blah 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 expensive film of all time four was the most expensive film of all time but it was made with absolute no no craftsmanship or understanding of how blockbusters are made pirates 3 i said to dylan how cool is it that with a film like, uh, for example, Revenge of the Sith, yeah. you get Anakin and Obi-Wan. If this was made in the 2010s, they would be fighting in like a grey room, yeah. like they were in The Last Jedi. But no, they were fighting in a volcano and stuff was exploding everywhere and it was slow motion and stuff was like blowing in the wind and everything was awesome. And you had that with the Northmen, right? Yeah. Awesome. Now, you have something like Pirates 3 where at the end there are two ships firing at each other in a maelstrom. It's raining. So just from a production point of view, that would have been a nightmare. And you have Orlando Bloom and Keira Knightley getting married (laughs) whilst explosions go off and people are fighting in the background. That's partly why Theo actually likes Babylon. We'll talk about Babylon in just a second. But part of the wonder of that film is all the extras, all the explosions, all the fun. And most filmmakers who people label the greatest of this generation, whatever, could not make a Pirates, could not make Transformers 2 with the fucking robot testicles in their (laughs) dreams. Let me tell you that. So what I'm so proud of with last year with Top Gun and Avatar and Batman is that we are going back to filmmaker driven blockbusters because at the end of the day, when you look back to Lawrence of Arabia, Ben-Hur and all the rest of those epic films, 
people go for spectacle just as much as they go for deep Absolutely. emotional whatever and i'm glad that in the next few years we're going to have filmmakers go big yeah. right with scorsese you know with with killers of the flower moon and whatnot and i'm i'm very happy to see a resurgence like you said in blockbuster films that are driven by actual authors because that's something we've been missing in the last decade well i think you put that perfectly mate honestly i think that is the best sort of uh segment entry into i think the nominations i think everyone's gonna given a good sort of overall consensus on 2022 um so yeah let's go straight into it we're gonna kick uh, off the nominations with a personal favorite and go go forth with a bang uh let's do uh best cinematography first so <laughs> we have uh all quiet on the western front yeah. bardo false chronicle of a handful of truths elvis uh, empire light and tar so <laughs> i have some things to say you want to kick this one off go for it man. um <laughs> so first of all tar sure it was nominated and it we've all seen we've all seen her yeah okay yeah, yeah. the long take scene was absolutely incredible yeah um it was just it was. incredible great cinematography great everything and my biggest compliment to tar though was that the filmmaking felt invisible yes it doesn't call attention to itself so cool that they nominated it um empire of light they're just doing it for deacons absolutely. they're just doing it absolutely. for roger deacons fair enough he's deserved it <laughs> um and elvis. my favorite was bardo yes i can't speak too much about elvis or all quiet because like there wasn't anything that stuck out to me yeah but bardo is an incredible film and the reason i think it's incredible is because it's shot by this guy darius conji yeah. one of my favorite cinematographers however if you've watched any film this guy's shot be it delicatessen into seven uh, into the lost city of zed or the immigrant or even okja um you'll notice or even uncut gems he shot uncut gems wow. hmm. um great portfolio of work uh you'll notice that every film he does he in establishes a consistent visual style yeah Bardo does not have that. Bardo is so all over the place, and there is so much visual diversity. That's the point of that film, exactly, it's, it's like it's incredible. It's, it is a trip. It seems like a cinematographer's dream. It absolutely does. It's one of those films where I think if I saw on my laptop at home, I would have absolutely. not liked as much yeah. as I did. And in the cinema, I loved. It. Oh, you we, saw it in the cinema. We, we, went, oh, to the, we, we went to the premiere we for this. the premiere. Lucky yeah, Bardo, yeah, incredible. Bong Bong Joon Ho announced. Yeah, yeah. incredible. It was. It was like truly just a. a it was a visceral experience, yeah. but it didn't feel. It felt like not really a film film it if that makes well. it three hours like, like just visual yeah. trippy this yeah. like mesh of things that was yeah. great i uh, hope bardo wins by the way that yeah, i, I, I hope, hope it wins. Too. but you There's know what two massive snubs in that well, yeah absolutely because i know you want to talk you about my massive snub is babylon yes oh absolutely. there is no i think i think babylon was snubbed on like almost everything <laughs> but i think babylon being snubbed for cinema because yes. i was whole, i knew because of the reception that it wouldn't be best picture i knew very you know it pains me that margot robbie wasn't nominated we'll get into that but i was hoping that it would at least nail like almost all you know technical categories mm. but not cinematography mm. is insane yeah. that yeah. film is incredibly good looking i i and, wrote in my review yeah when, when the butterfly lands on his shoulder, I was like, <laughs> "Insane!" This is yeah. Linus Sangren's finest work today. Insane. Beautiful. You know. Can I ask you, lads, whilst we're on the topic of cinematography, in your opinions, what was the best looking or the best cinematography or the one you want to win, nominated or not nominated? Probably Bardo for me of the year. I think it's between Bardo and Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Can we talk about some of the other the snubs? I would uh, love yeah. to. Yes, I'd say Northman was snubbed. Oh yes, it I'd was. say Northman was snubbed. I I'd even say the Batman for me. I think yeah, what they yeah. did. That's I what think I had they, on my they list. uses they used old lenses as opposed to new ones. They um they went for those and did, just the did way they shoot digital and then print on yeah, film. Yeah, I think so. And then record uh, that. 
just the way um, who shot the film uh, Greg Frazier just dirties up the frame like yeah. one of the, like, the biggest compliments I can give to the Batman is how how much it envelops you in this version of Gotham City and the cinematography is absolutely incredible just mm-hmm. every it's definitely the uh, personally I think it's a contender for the most beautiful looking comic book film maybe ever I'm, I'm not too sure I, hey I, that's not I, a bad shout I I, I, like, bad I, shout. I really do and I, I think the Batman there's another category that when we'll get to I think it got massively snubbed for sure. but the Batman even something like Don't Worry Darling I really enjoyed Matthew from Libertique. Uh, Matthew Libertique um, Nope as well with Hoyter Van Hoytemer the way that they shot those nighttime yeah. sequences they actually shot in the day yeah, yeah. and then you know um, like House of the Dragon but it worked for it, Nope it, exactly <laughs> I've never seen nighttime sequences look that nope stunning Nope quite technically unique actually. Yes, it, it really is you yeah. don't notice a lot of it because it does like I think Jordan Peele has that issue now that he'll have forever with like every film that we watch of his we're gonna be like is it gonna be as good as Get Out yeah. Yeah. and even if it's not as good it can still be a good film which I think Nope is yeah. to an extent and um, but technically it's we don't appreciate it enough just because we look at the whole picture Jordan Peele has gotten better and better and better as a director as a technical yeah. director as of a technical visuals, director, audio 100%, visuals, 100%. actually, wh- whilst we're on this, can I bring up one thing that me and Theo are definitely going to say? Living, the Bill Nye film. I was about to say, yeah, uh, I haven't seen it. Um, I'll just describe it very, very quickly. Uh, in my opinion, the reason Living deserved to be nominated is, of course, films that are shot in the boxy aspect ratio, 4 by 3 whatever, typically tend to get nominated just because mm-hmm. it's, it's unique and it's cool, guys. <laughs> but um, what was great about Living was that they the film is takes place in sort of when is it nineteen some fifties nineteen fifties London mm. and it's London and it's in the suburbs and it's in offices but every damn shot in that film looks incredible because of how interesting the framing is and how well lit the film is mm. for sure we'll talk about lighting go but like it's good isn't it uh, tell the audience the it's end. phenomenal um, there's certain certain moments in the snow at the end of the film where yep. you're really um, quite mesmerized. Um, a couple other f- snubs, well, not snubs, because I wouldn't necessarily trade them out, but a couple other films that I thought had fantastic cinematography as well was obviously Top Gun Maverick. Mm. That would have been a feat to film. Absolutely. Um, and the um, the last but not least, what was what was on my mind? I just had it. I've lost it. It'll come uh, back to you. It'll honey. come back to me. Decision to leave? No. That should have been up there too. I think it's oh, Argentina nine, 1985 mm-hmm. I thought Argentina 1985 is has been um yeah very underrated film in the in the Oscars yeah Good stuff overall I think it's a, a really beautiful year for mm. cinematography I think so um, for sure but uh, moving on to production design we have All Quiet on the Western Front Avatar The Way of Water which is a <laughs> it's a funny one uh, Babylon Elvis and The Fablemans uh very quickly, uh, what do we all think was the biggest snub of production design? Any Batman. Batman? I Batman mean, Batman is up there. I think Babylon, because... It got nominated, though, right? Babylon is one Oh, my God, yeah. What yeah. am I talking about? Of course, yeah, you know, Babylon. I think Babylon... Sorry, that's what I meant. Babylon, I think, is going to take it. It has to. I don't think... I, I haven't seen The Fablemans yet, but I know you guys have. It just takes place in houses and schools. and. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Babylon, uh, just being a celebration of that era of Hollywood, just offers up so much diversity from a production design standpoint. I mean, you watch the film, it speaks for itself. Um, Avatar. They shot that um, opening 30 what? minute sequence. They shot it on location. Yeah. That's not a studio. Incredible. Yeah. Insane. <laughs> Insane. That's awesome. I heard, by the way, just a quick story about that. I, I, 
that the um you know the the silent movie set where yeah, Margot yeah. Robbie gets on her first job. Yeah. Apparently that thing took like twenty weeks to build. Yeah. You know, and and by the way, when we say production design, I think it also covers like props yeah. and you know and, and all 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 that kind of jazz as well. Jazz, <laughs> pun intended. But Babylon <laughs> is 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 fantastic in that regard because. We talk a lot about the Batman filling up every frame, yeah. you know, and dirtying it up and make giving texture. Yeah. The props, the sets, the colors that they chose, intentional, precise to create chaos, but controlled chaos. And that is an incredible achievement. This podcast is just us drooling over yeah, Babylon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me and you drooling no, over Babylon. Did you not? There like has it? to be balance. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, uh, costume design. We have Babylon. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Oh my God. <laughs> I haven't seen Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. I think it's a film about costumes and dresses right, and stuff. So about I mean, it has a Mrs. Harris who goes to Paris. That's, that's the one. <laughs> it's like if Phantom Thread didn't win yes. costume design. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, costume design, anyone? What are we thinking? I... Th- I don't think it's a snub, but you know what had great costume design? Go for it. X and Pearl. <sighs> ah, had a great costume yeah. design. I don't think like, because it is simplistic, so yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a snub to the point of like, yeah. I'm not going to compare Pearl to like Elvis or Babylon, yeah. but it had great costume design. It, it really like, in production design as well. That's why I didn't shout it out because <laughs> it's simple, but it works really coherently. Yeah. Mm. Any preferences, Dylan? I think... Once again, I think Babylon, even Black Black Panther, I think has a good shot. Yes. I think the costumes in that were were incredible. Um, Elvis as well. I don't think you can count Elvis out for this particular uh, particular category just because it's so flashy and so extravagant. Um, and it's uh, Baz Luhrmann. We know how you know mm. how he shoots films. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's either going to go to Black Panther or Babylon personally. Um, Dylan, you you quite like the design of Don't Worry Darling. Do you think that was snubbed in this country? That's a good question. Um you say the thing is I did like the design. I liked the aesthetic of Don't Worry Darling. Um but for costumes, I'm really trying to think of a standout costume in the film and for some reason maybe it's just due to my distaste of the film over time but I can't really think of you know is it 1950s st- yeah I think yeah. it's not too difficult to get yeah. dresses that yeah. look incredible it's a very pretty film um, but yeah I mean the, cost- the, 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 the costumes the costumes were great like Florence Pugh looks great in whatever she's wearing Harry Styles looks great in whatever he's wearing but it's like it's very simplistic and like you said I'm not too sure it's the most challenging mm. of, you know, costumes, but something like Black Panther Wakanda Forever, you really need to sort of, yeah. you know, go all out with that. Um, but yeah, moving on, uh, we're going to go to uh, makeup and hairstyling, um, which, I mean, I don't think we usually talk about that much when yeah. it comes to it. So I think it's, it's definitely worth bringing up. So we have uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Elvis and The Whale. So just very quickly going around, out of those nominations, guys, what do we think is taking home? I'm not seeing the whale, but does that count the fat suit as well? Because when I, Gary Oldman did it for Darkest Hour, he won for the fat suit. Yeah, so I'm I'm assuming it does. Yeah. Uh, and I th- I think the whale is probably going to take it. Yeah. Either that or the Batman, what they did with Colin Farrell in, oh, yeah, in, the, in the Batman. Two fat suits this year. Yeah. Yes. is is crazy completely You're very lucky who <laughs> <laughs> whole fat <laughs> i know right uh what they did with colin farrow in that film it, it, he looks completely unrecognizable um yeah i i, I think no I no think. no three fat suits they put austin butler in the 
Oh yeah, they, they, yeah, they, they did. They, <laughs> I think makeup hairstyling a snub is everything everywhere. Yes, because everything yeah. everywhere relied on the makeup to to make these universes yes. and as statements and. Uh, some of that makeup has gone like really. Um, my girlfriend is a makeup artist, so she was. We were talking about like iconic uh, makeups that mm. she's like replicating, and she mentioned that like that. I don't know if you remember the last, the third act, like almost last sequence of everything everywhere. She's got this like distorted look, like yep. that. She's like that's gone so like social media. That's gone super iconic, right. yeah. and she's like immediately that's made such a like impact on makeup world and like overall on on that world so yeah. i think that's definitely a snub there mm. for sure i haven't seen all quiet on the western front yet, but i'm curious like um oh sorry i'm looking at a different category yeah. <laughs> that's not nominated for makeup is it <laughs> not just that no yeah, yeah. The, uh, the all quiet on a western front um it's got a lot of love it's got year. a lot of nominations a lot of nominations and there's always usually that one outlier isn't there yeah. and i think this is it for this i thought year. dylan i'm so pissed off at myself the Same. other day i was like should i watch all quiet on the western front or should i watch the good nurse and i watched the good nurse <laughs> and i was like i should have watched all quiet on the western it's, it's a good film um but i don't yeah. think it's anything like as far as war movies go yeah, yeah. it's no like 1917 or dunkirk or seven private ryan anything like that mm. or no hacksaw ridge but i'm glad that it's nominated yeah sure yeah but sure, awesome. let's Great. So uh, next up, we have visual effects, uh, and we have All Quiet on the West Front. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Top Gun Maverick. And I don't want to speak for you guys, but Avatar? I think... Yeah. Is there any point discussing this <laughs> yeah. one? I mean, it just it's incredible. Um, but moving on, we are going to go to uh, sound, mm. sound design, as I think we used to... Uh, let me just find the nominations just here. Um, so for sound, we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. I wonder why All Quiet on the Western Front was nominated for sound, considering it was so quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> <laughs> you did say keep the puns going. Keep the puns going. Do you know what's um, a sound snub? is nope i think okay there is um there is a video essay on the sound of thomas thomas flight yeah it is shout out and uh shout out and um it's really (laughs) he goes really in depth to like talk about the world that we see created and how vital sound is in that and uh he explains it much better than i do so if you're curious about the sound of nope thomas flight but that's a snub i think he also did um a video on the sound of the batman as well which was very very cool so i definitely recommend checking that one out um but yeah so for sound has ba- has babylon been snubbed in this category yeah, yeah. yeah. of course it has i thought <laughs> i thought the sound design along with the cinematography because they have you know moving from silent pitches to talking pitches yeah. they have certain scenes that you know require a lot of detail in terms mm. of the sound design that's a very good point it um, is yeah and actually what i noticed in babylon i don't know if you noticed this too sometimes the synced dialogue would be slightly off yeah so when manuel was talking occasionally his lips weren't moving to mm. the sync sound i think that Probably was on purpose why. that yeah. i think that was on purpose because they were potentially trying to recreate maybe a sort of older uh, older aesthetic mm. i noticed that three or four times in the so film. you're saying yeah. that uh hips don't lie but lips do <laughs> <laughs> i am as as like having worked on sets how accurate is that scene in oh, Babylon yes, with the yes, sound? Yeah, that was like I was watching. It, I was like, "This is my life." Yeah, like this is my life. I said to Dylan, "Okay," <laughs> I said this to Dylan, and we can add this to the Babylon yeah. section of the clip, whatever. 
that scene where PJ Burns was like, I will literally shit in your face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sneeze one more time. <laughs> I did that with someone closing a door because we were doing a take and someone shut a door. And when I'm angry, I don't shout like did, PJ Burns. I'm very quiet. Did you literally do it or did you threaten them? <laughs> I, what, what I, no, I did not shit on their face. But uh, unfortunately. But you said you would. Uh, no, I, so basically, I'm really like, um, when I am get angry on yeah. set, I don't know about you guys, but I'm really like quiet and articulate. And so what I said was, if someone's shutting the door, I go, we're in the middle of a take. So if you're going to shut the door, shut it with decisiveness and precision, please. And then they squeaked the door and then I yelled out at them saying, that was not decisive, nor like, nor precise. <laughs> Can you do it better next time? You know, so that was such an accurate yeah, and iconic so little incredible moment. Incredible sequence. Yeah. Speaking of sound, all your voices sound very, very crispy. Mm. Good. Anyways, moving Bad on. Crisp. Um... So next up we have music, original song. Um, we have applause from Tell It Like a Woman, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Natu Natu from RRR, and This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once. Uh, I think this is a clear winner. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I haven't seen RRR yet, if that's what you're going to okay. say. Yeah, that's exactly um, but I mean, it, it won the Golden Globe, I'm pretty sure, and um, I don't know. The critics' choices, well, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So I think that's that's the one that's, I think. Listen, uh, like I'm not a, a music critic. And, yeah, you know, I know, I like what I like. Yeah. So when I played all of these songs earlier in the kitchen, that that was the, <laughs> that was the only song that I wanted to replay. Very nice. Um, so one thing about lift that. me up though. Yeah. So I've noticed this trend, guys. I don't know if you noticed this over the years with Oscar films. Mm. There's always one song that is like stand up, speak up lift me up you know this uh, is lift me. up yeah uh, and there was one year i think it was the same year this is me was nominated there was a song called stand up i believe mm. and because people they did this is me and they did coco the remember me yeah and when they did this is me everyone stood up they were clapping they were cheering yeah. they were having a good time and this this song stand up or, or whatever it was called at the time um they sang it and no one was really into it <laughs> and then they had to say stand up <laughs> And I was like, no, please, no. So every year, next year, there'll, there'll be one called like Pull Up or something like that, you know? <laughs> or, or like Hook Up. There's yeah. always a song like, with a similar name to that. Pamwa, would you uh, prefer to hold my hand <laughs> or lift me up? I, I hold your hand. Thank okay, you. because I like, I want that song to win with Lady Gaga. Yeah, it's a good, good uh, end credit song for mm. Top, Top Gun there. So moving on to one of my personal favorites, uh, we have music, uh, Original Score. And the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and The Fablemans. So, does anyone want to go take first? It away. If, if take Babylon, it away. If Babylon doesn't win, I'm going to be so <laughs> yeah. pissed off. That score, I've not had a score stuck in my head as much as Babylon since La La Land. Yes. Mm. That score is... That's I'm Hobbits, I swear, since we've been like, since like the last hour, I've been singing in my head. Da, 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 da. <laughs> the, the whole, it's yeah. so catchy. Like, I've been listening on the tube here. They also there. need to win because it's revenge for him not even getting nominated, nominated for first, first man. man. Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for bringing this up. I will fight anyone right now. Uh, about the score for First Man. Yes, it the won best. the Golden Globe, so but didn't get nominated for the score, uh, Justin Herbert's First Man score. If anyone hasn't listened to f the First Man score or hasn't seen the film, just go onto YouTube and type in Justin Herbert's The Landing. And Crater as well. It, it, incredible. It, Those incredible, pieces together. Beautiful. Like, oh. You know how Babylon has the theme from La La Land? Yeah, yes, some, similar moments. Does, does First Man as well? Or am I misremembering? I'm that? not sure, but I did see Damon Giselle saying that the somewhere in the crowd bit in Babylon was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I'm misremembering it, but I really think when I saw First Man, I thought the same thing. 
Somebody like somebody Google that and let me know. I have no idea because yeah. I remember I was like, oh my god, this guy put his theme in his yeah. other film as well. Is yeah. Justin copying himself? <laughs> no. They also had not score related, but they'd had the Eugene O'Neill refer- reference in Eugene O'Neill. Yeah. Yes, they did, and there was that in Whiplash as well. But yeah, um, so I I do agree with you. I think Babylon is is going to take it. Um, I think it's such an incredible score. I mean, Justin Herbert's I think personally is one of the best composers working today. Mm. I think when it's all said and done, he will be one of the goats. And I also want to say that it's so great to see Justin Hurwitz and Damien Chazelle as one of the sort of few director-composer duos working today yeah. that, you know, just really get it. Like, um, I'm pretty sure the, the pair have been working together since, like, college or whatever. Yeah. They seem like really, really Same good friends. Same with Kugler and Gorenstein. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's also telling of Damien Chazelle as a filmmaker because you can tell this guy knows his music and whenever a director knows that, even like, I remember when Ludwig Göransson did Tenet and he was so, so surprised at how much, you know, uh, how musically, how musical Christopher Nolan was, which 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 was a nice surprise. That, that was another Oscar snub. That was another Oscar snub. Yeah, exactly. I also want to say, so interstellar as well i mean uh hans zimmer, hans zimmer i mean th- th- that's like one of the i uh, personally one of the greatest scores of all yeah. time didn't win but um yeah the, the original score for me is always like uh i always get really um caught up with this one when, when like my favorite score of the year uh doesn't get the love dylan is really into scores i really yeah. am what like, was your favorite of this year then batman batman yes and that for me out of all these nominations this was for me the biggest snob i think michael giacchino's score for the batman yeah in, like in, incredible score um i love how michael giacchino uh, makes his scores how he uses you know real orchestra um he's one of the few composers working today who really has a respect for the 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 traditions of the past when it comes to making these big epic scores he's one of the best composers working today and like he's one of the most in demand as well and it i mean i can see why yeah for me the batman score is it was my favorite score by my what like, was your favorite theme from the film um so this is actually interesting favorite piece but so i mean the, the obviously the main batman theme the yeah. da, da, da that's like in my head the right. whole time but i really love the like the themes that he brought in for like bruce wayne uh and how he's sort of going to become a bigger part of gotham city how he's you know not using fear and rage but instead he's instilling hope and that sort of theme and how it develops throughout the film i think like all the best batman scores have a a duality in their themes with the you know the big triumphant batman score the badass sort of loud batman score like hans zimmer did it with the dark knight but then there's also the balance with bringing in the sort of humanity of bruce wayne as a character so that duality whenever a composer can you know nail that um for me it's like bliss for sure selena kyle's selena kyle's score is beautiful as well um Selena Kyle and then and, and how different it is from Batman's and, and then there's the Riddler score as well which is so so chilling it's like a, it's like a demented yeah mix up of the Ave Maria song that he's yeah. throughout the film which yeah. is genius yeah uh incredible but yeah but that was personally guys that was my uh that was my biggest you know, of the um year. you know who this is not even a pun you know who we actually do <laughs> need to get on this podcast as well and the greatest composer of all time is Fingal Dickens <laughs> Fingal Dickens okay. is is my um is my composer and my my best friend in life mm. and he does the music for all of our films yeah. and he loves films so we we need to get that guy on this this yeah, Fingal I'm, I'm sure. looking at you right now Fingal. we need to get we need uh, to get I'll him bring on. my composer on Gio oh! Giovanni Mariana we'll have like a composer battle <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we can have like 
DJ off. Yeah. <laughs> that would actually be a really good episode. You know, like in Yesterday, where Ed Sheeran tells, you know, him to like go off and write a song and then they come back in five minutes. Uh, that's, that's what I'm going to do on the, on, yeah, on, on, yeah. On the episode. Uh, awesome. Anyone else want to say anything about the scores this year? Uh, I think Babylon is probably going to take it. Um, the Fablemans, John Williams. I mean, I haven't seen the film, but I mean, it's John Williams. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you can never count this guy out. But It's like Roger Deakins at this point. It's just out of respect. <laughs> exactly, exactly. How legendary What, what won at the Golden Globes? Babylon, I think. Good. Okay. Well yeah. deserved. So, we have uh, film editing next. Did which, Babylon get snubbed for this too? Uh, it did get snubbed. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> so, we have The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Elvis, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. There's only two. Right, guys, there's only two, which is Everything Everywhere or Top Gun. Oh, Top Gun. Yeah. Tar is well edited. It is well edited. Tar is well For edited. a film that's that long, the yeah, pace yeah, yeah. is terrific. Why is Banshees getting so much love? Especially for, for edit- these technical... Editing, yeah, I'm not too sure. It's interesting. It's a good point, yeah. It's getting a lot of love. Watch, it's going to win now, watch. Yeah. <laughs> I think we got to give credit to... I, I actually think there's two snubs. And, like, there is this trend, and we can, like, not go into it too in, too deep into it. But, obviously, films are getting longer. Yeah. And this year we had two massive releases that are three hours each yes. release, not here in the UK because Babylon just released as of us recording this, mm. but in the States, Babylon released like two weeks after Avatar yes. premiered yeah. and they're both over three hours. Mm. So you like it takes so much effort to edit yeah. a three hour long film well. And both of those do not feel three hours long. No, they, they feel don't. long. Yes. That's my like only criticism uh, that I would say to both of them, but that's because any film above like two hours forty yeah. feels long. So to have that editing, you know, keep you engaged, really engaged yeah. for three hours fifteen minutes is like really noteworthy. The, the question I ask is, do you think three hour films should be edited down even no. further? No, I love three. I love long. I films. like it as well. I if love long it, films. If it makes sense, like yeah. Babylon, Avatar, loved it. Yeah. But like Bardo, loved it in the cinema. On Netflix, I would not have loved it that mm. much. I just um, really like long films. I love the Snyder Cut. I love, you know, I, I love it all. Um, the longer the better, in my opinion. Well, I'll just say one real quick thing about this. Um, Elvis uh, is, is up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Elvis. So Elvis has been nominated. And I think the Academy tends to nominate films that have a lot of editing as opposed to good editing. Mm, Elvis yes. is a very well edited film, in my opinion, especially for the length that it is and for the amount of scenes that it has. What I will say is, in my opinion, if we're going to actually put money on this, it's going in between Top Gun or Everything Everywhere yeah. for very different reasons. A Top Gun win would be like Ford v. Ferrari winning a few years ago. Yeah. As in the edit, I think it was edited by Eddie Hamilton, okay. who does the Mission Impossible films, well, incredible guy. And I think he did Kingsman as well. Um, the amount of footage that that poor guy must have had to sit <laughs> yeah, through yeah, of yeah. people just taking off and landing on yeah, planes. Yeah. He deserves it for that alone. Yeah. But with everything everywhere all at once, the reason I believe it actually deserves it is because it uses editing not only to convey emotion as it should or tell the story, but actually inform the audience as to what is actually going on. Yeah. It is such... I would argue that of all the different technical departments of that film, editing is without question the most important for that film it's because incredible. of the multiverse aspect. I rewatched yeah. it recently. Everything everywhere is like top tier editing. Mm. It's mm. The, the best of the year by far. Mm. Um, but like to bring it back to Elvis, Elvis, I just checked two hours, 39 mm. feels longer than both Avatar and Avalon. <laughs> it feel, does. And it's edited because you go through like such a journey of down mm. a lot, like though, and Avatar and Babylon, on the other hand, they keep you so like engaged mm. the whole time and there's low and their low has been earned and there's a high when you need to go on a high and Elvis, the editing specifically is, is, is 
you know, there is it's a bit all over the place. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so it feels to very make long. you feel a bit better though, Mickey. Um, Tom Cross for Babylon, yeah. he snubbed. Sangren cinematography snub. It's fine because they already won for Whiplash and and La La Land. La. Nah, so that's true. And Whiplash was such a surprise yeah. that year. Like whenever it got nominated, it's such a surprise. Okay, so uh, moving on to uh, writing original screenplay, we have Banshees of Inner Sharon, uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. So Theo, do you want to kick this one off? It's the Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. Finally, some triangles. Yeah, <laughs> getting getting the love. Um, yeah, I was just in general happy that Triangle of Sadness got three nominations, mm. three big ones: um, screenplay, best director, and best picture. Mm. Uh, because that was my favorite cinema experience this this year. Mm. Um, Tar was also, I thought, a genius screenplay in the sense that everything that Kate Blanchett does with the lines and the dialogue is able to instill the subtext of her sociopathic tendencies throughout mm. the whole film. Yeah. Um I just thought it was a masterful way of conveying an anti-hero without basically having them to murder anyone. Um and just doing it in a you know a much more subtle way. Um yeah, other than that, I haven't seen The Fablemans. I thought everything everywhere all at once was obviously uh, fantastic in the sense that it was so so broad mm. in in the in the journey that it takes but it brings it down to a family relationship which is what i love yeah with any of these wide films is bringing it down to a, a, a nice core theme that we can all sort of understand yeah. and relate to um banshees again it's getting so much love i wasn't a huge fan but um yeah i think it's a very popular film i think it's one of the most popular films on letterbox this year yeah um which yeah, just I think passed. it's the highest rated yeah. this year. Right? No way. Really? Yeah, exactly. On Letterboxd, yeah. Everything Everywhere. Everything Everywhere, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, no, oh, you're talking about Banshees. Banshees. No, 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 Everything Everywhere, sorry. I yeah. think Banshees will win this. If we, By the way, I we think, should, yeah, we should totally bet on this, by we the way. Totally <laughs> we should totally. Because you know the year that Deacons won? I got them all right. Nice. I got them all right. Nice. Um, but anyway, I should have bet that all, year. All your bets. No, I didn't bet, but as in I got all my predictions. All your right. predictions. Right. All of them. I, yes, all of them. That's Not Not like the, you know, can you tell he's a feature. You know, I usually get like, at least one third wrong. All right. No, um, but I think that last year I was about to place a, a fifty pound bet on all of the categories. And well, you would have bet on Power of the Dog to win, not Coda. Nobody, 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 nobody was going to bet. Coda. No, I, I know. I, I had Coda, and no. I, the only the only thing I missed was. Um, Encanto, the song. Wait, oh. you had Coda as best picture win? Yeah, I, I had. I who what? predicted yeah. that? <laughs> Why would you predict that? Because I'd I'd been looking at um, the stats. You have to go and look. Oh at the stats. my god! Yeah, yeah. I probably would have predicted Coda like last out of yeah. those numbers. Uh, but no, I think Banshees will win because it's been nominated in so many other categories. It won't win best director. It won't win best picture. It won't win Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. They're gonna give it this one. So because it's such a wordy film. If yeah. we're gonna put money on this, Banshees win. It really, it is a wordy film, for sure. Uh, I think it's an incredibly uh, strong category. Mm. Like yeah. all five of these films are written masterfully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like there is not one that I'm like, ah, it doesn't really deserve to be on there. They're all like in their own specific ways. I wouldn't be upset if any one of these five won. Yeah. To be honest, genuinely, like it's a really strong category. Maybe the strongest category of. Yeah. Of them, maybe. Um, so it's yeah. only right to follow it up with uh, adapted screenplay. So the nominations are All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living. Some love for living, uh, Top Gun Maverick, and women talking. What's living. Glass Onion adapted of. 
Sorry? What's Glass that's, Onion? I was going to ask that as well. Knives Out. So I think because they use Benoit Blanc. Because they right. use Benoit Blanc. Oh they use the same. It's not an entirely original creation. Living. Living needs to win. Living should win. This is Living. quite a weak category. It is a weak Gla- category. Glass Onion yeah. is... Uh, it's it's, it's, it's not as smart like as it thinks. I, I think I have a feeling... They're going to give it to women talking. I don't yeah. know if anyone's seen it. I've not seen it. I will. I, I want will, to watch it, I but will. where can I find this bloody film? It's coming out in like so two, three weeks. And right. Yeah. Um, really solid screenplay. I was actually expecting women talking to get nominated a lot, lot more right. after I saw it, particularly in the performance categories, which we'll get to. But um, yeah, my pick, I think women talking okay. might take this one. Um, but yeah. Did uh, the whale get a snub in this? No, yeah, it did. Yeah. It did. It did. Yeah, I did. No nomination for the whale. I would argue that I love the whale. I'm yeah. saying that before I say <laughs> But if there is any weaker bit of the whale, it's the specifically the dialogue writing. Yeah. Mm. Not the structure of the film, but the dialogue writing. The whale is the uh, last big one like I get to see. I think it's like one polish away from being incredible. Right. Yeah. But not to say I don't like it, but it's just that. It did fall half a star for me on my second watch for it. I will say. it's I, I really love it yeah, still. Yeah, I love it too. Um. But yeah. Anyways, moving on, we have a uh, documentary feature and documentary short. I uh, has anyone seen any of the documentary films? Nope. No. Uh, Fire of Love, I have not, but I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I th- I think we should potentially skip this one. I did yeah. want to mention it because I think, I mean, personally, I do actually, it's, it's a goal for me this year. I do want to actually watch a lot more documentary films for sure because uh, I think there's some really good ones out there. Um but yeah, unfortunately, I don't think I, any of us here are educated enough in this I think category. What's, well, in, what's interesting about documentaries as a, as a film form is that there's a lot of entertaining documentaries that sort of are by the book and give you good information quickly. Yeah. But a lot of the ones, for example, you know, Letterboxd has its sort of top mm. 100 documentaries and I've only seen about six yeah. because it's the more artful form right, of documentary yeah. that is, is, I guess, less accessible in the mainstream sphere. Um, but equally, like, there's there's a lot of great, great content out there. The only one that I've seen recently for Oscars that comes to mind was Free Solo. Mm. And I watched it. I just want to see if he died or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good one. And I'm yep. glad that it won. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to short films. Uh, similar to documentary here. Uh, I'm not sure how many of you guys have seen any of the short nope. films here. So we have short film live action. And we have short films animated. Anyone seen anything? I usually watch the shorts after. I and, see. Uh, I, I do watch them, but a lot of them are like... Because they're a festival circuity. And like, yeah. you can't really find them as easy as you no. as you yeah. can a feature. I, so I, I do watch them though usually. I watched the, the animated... What was it? The mole, the... What's it? The boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Yeah, absolutely garbage. Really? Really? It was a Christmassy type thing, and I know there will be a lot of people annoyed yeah. about that because it's a sort of a family animated short, but it was so sort of on the nose mm. with all the themes that it was trying to to sort of yeah persist with, and um, yeah, I, I, I didn't I didn't like it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I do actually want to say this was probably the funniest category to read out because I reacted live. Mm. I watched the nominations live and just very quickly, I, I do want to read out the nominations for short film animated. So we have, the, like you said, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and the Horse, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, <laughs> and An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake and I Think I Believe It. So I'm just going to leave it at that uh, <laughs> so moving on we are going to uh, we're going to go to let me see animated feature mm. film 
I mean, Pinocchio. I, I'm yeah, I, yeah. So Spanish, you about to say? <laughs> I was going to read out the nominations, but I mean, Pinocchio. Let Let's read out the nominations. So Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. I've only seen one of these films, which was P- uh, Pinocchio. Puss in Boots is good. I, I I'm going to see Marcel it. Like, Marcel Shell is good too. I Have you guys seen it? Which one? Marcel Shell. No. No? no, it's cute, really cute, wholesome, yeah. really nice, uh, really unique. Um, but would you say that's uh, generally quite a weak category this year? I, I think so. I don't think there's much competition. I think Del Toro is going to take it for there's sure. There's usually always only like one or two good ones, yeah. like Spider Verse was remember yeah. or Coco, you know. Yeah, but there's only a few good ones. Yeah. Um, so next up we have international feature film. So we have All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina, 1985, Close. Uh, EO and The Quiet Girl and Decision to Leave which was not there which was a big snub I think yes. yeah so Mickey can you tell us why you didn't Yeah, it's not that I didn't yeah. like it I just, it's not my cup of tea right. like Decision to Leave is just not like I don't relate to that medium of storytelling as right. much as uh, other people do uh, I found it just like not uh, I found it just not, not not my experience well I'll tell you this I didn't get it I didn't get it either. <laughs> I don't, I think, to this day, I still have no idea what happened. I think as a film, uh, from a filmmaking perspective, like technically, that's a film that actually got snubbed on a lot of categories. Mm. Editing. Uh, Editing. Sound, like stuff like that. But it's just not my cup of tea for the story. Mm. Um, I I wanted to love it. Yeah. And I went into it wanting to love it. But um, I, I, don't, I don't love love stories anyway, overall right, in yeah. film. I like them as a side story. I don't love them being like the key of the story. Hey, so, you and I can have a long conversation. We can do a whole podcast on this because yeah. I believe I've always said this and I've gotten shit for this. I said, if you watch films just for the story, go read a book. Yeah. Film is a visual. Yeah. Film is visual. the one medium that combines all, medium. every, all mediums. Yes, I agree. that's correct. Every single medium. Yeah. But the Sound, story is key. Music. But the story is key. 100%. Fashion, story is, architecture, exactly, photography, everything. performance. Everything. That but is, the story is key. The story is key, but yeah, the balance is the most the, important yeah, thing, guys. Why, like, for <laughs> me, the <laughs> the uh, the film that I know, I've, I've hinted that all of you guys love, that I didn't love as much, was 1917. Hmm. Because the story of 1917 was structured around its technical aspects. Right. That film feels more like a D&D game. Hmm. Because it is, it is like, you go from location to location, changing characters, changing things. The story was crafted after the, I, I can bet that was idea of the shot yeah. first and then the story. Not bad, yeah. but it just isn't like as... You know, I, in my opinion, as impactful as a story. Yeah. One could almost say it's a video game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I made Is a there a video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I watched that. I watched <laughs> um, for this, I yeah. have uh, Argentina, nineteen eighty-five. Yeah, that that's the one I've, I've you know, send send a lot of love that way. I'm gonna still we were watch gonna it see it, yeah. and we decided not to. We didn't. Yeah, at BFI, he speaks very highly. Was, of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, that we, was we, it was either between that or Palm Trees and Power Lines, and we saw great film by the way. Yeah. That was my second favorite uh, cinema experience this year. Wow! The whole the whole audience was silent, and you could hear you know a few people crying because it is quite emotional towards the end, yeah. but in a good in a good way. Mm. Uh, so we're saying decision to leave. It was snubbed. Yeah. Well, oh, Bardo oh, was technically snubbed as well because it's Mexican. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I haven't seen it, but yeah, RRR should have been nominated. I've seen it, and I re- I Theo thought that I was gonna love RRR. Or, uh, how do you how do you say it? R R R. Yeah. Oh, I say R R R. But um, it was really good. R R R. Um, but why are pirates pirates, guys? Because they are. Um, but no. Um, it's a really good film, 
and really well made. Yeah. The visual effects were dog shit, but everything else about it was incredible. And just for the how alive it feels as a yeah. film. And I and Theo thought I would love that, you know, because there are loads of reflection well, shots. Pa- Pamwa well. likes movie movies. Yeah. And it's, mm. it's like a movie. Movie. You, you sound like Harry Styles. You sound like Harry Styles. I'll shut up. <laughs> but I, he, he gets what, like, yeah. I get what you mean. Like, yeah. I, I like movies that actually feel like movies yeah. where the camera spins around as they kiss and there's explosions and stuff sure. in slow motion. Um, and that's RRR. Yeah. So, yeah, should have been nominated. No love for RRR. Um, so, moving on now, I think it's. I think we're moving on to the let's say let's go on the big ones. Mm. So first up, we have uh, directing. Yes. So yes, the nominations for directing are uh, the Banshees of Inisherin for Martin McDonough. Or I should say Martin McDonough for the Banshees of Inisherin. Daniel Korn and Daniel Scheinert uh, for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Todd Field for Tar and Ruben Osland for Triangle of Sadness. Spielberg will win this. In my opinion, he's won all the other awards. I, actually I don't think, think the Daniels might win this. I hope they do. I think they might. I hope. I, really I can. I can already might. see the the speech going viral. Yeah. If they win, yeah. It's, it's, it's the two of them as well. It's yes. it's quite a unique situation. Yeah. For, for two, you know, d- two directors to to be up there for that. Do you know what was snubbed? Babylon. Damien. Damien. Babylon was snubbed. It was. No, I don't. I don't I'm not sure. I think this is one of the toughest categories. Yeah. Um, and all of those. All of those um, nominees are, are deserving. I don't know if I don't know if Damien uh, managed. Well, we can get into the Babylon. Today. I would like to see Martin McDonough, who did a film about two guys talking in a bunch of pubs and fields, try and direct a party scene like Babylon. Okay, Damien Chazelle could direct respectfully because I do love Martin McDonough. Damien Chazelle could direct Banshees in his sleep. It would take him one day to film <laughs> the movie. All right. Um, you know what's really weird? I have this small inkling. That Martin McDonough could win this category. I, I don't I, know why. I, I, I agree. I don't know why. He's been getting a lot of rave yeah. about the direction. The of film that. is brilliant. I'm not, yeah. Don't don't get me wrong, but I think that um, Martin McDonough has always been more of a script director, yeah. a director of actors. Um, but he's not one to kind of make he's not the movie movies. movies. Yeah, you know he, he's 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 very. <laughs> that was a very good Harry stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he's he's you know he's not like a director. Yeah. Um, and I think that the Oscars typically they like to award direction. Yeah. I don't know if it was a, a massive snub, but I did want to shout out um, After Sun. I thought oh, it yeah. was very well directed. That is good shout out for sure. That uh, one best British debut director, right? Well, at the BAFTAs, so, yeah. The one like best best debut feature at the BAFTAs. Mm. Well, have the BAFTAs already been? Engulfed? I think so, right? No, they've not been nominated. I don't think they've been done yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, actor in a supporting role, we have uh, Brennan Gleeson for The Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd uh, Hirsch for The Fablemans, Barry Keoghan for The Banshees of Inisherin, and Ki Hui Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is the easiest category to predict, no? I, I think everything he, will win, he, will win. he has he will to, man. And I just shout out to Brennan Gleeson, though. He's yeah. brilliant. Yeah, he is. But here's the thing I actually think. Barry Keoghan, mm. out of all these nominees, um, he might have impressed me the most mm. out of any, anyone here. I think he found a really beautiful balance between sort of this sort of childlike mm. I- intuition with his character and being straight up hilarious. He completely like it's. It, I feel like it's a it's a character that could have gone 
really wrong wrong uh, easily wrong with the with the, um, another actor yeah. but i think he is such a talented force working in the industry today yeah. i think everything he's i'm super excited to see what he does with joker um but yeah i think he's one of the he's definitely one of the best up-and-coming actors working today and yeah i think if ki hui khan wasn't in this category maybe that yeah. he'd have a good shot of, of taking it with brendan gleason i think well, or brendan, Gle- brendan gleason as well of that film but I'm quite happy. I haven't seen, probably I want to be honest, but I haven't seen Causeway, but I'm very happy uh, Brian Tyree yeah. Henry. He was really I good. I love him because Atlanta is a masterpiece. I liked him in Atlanta Bullet Atlanta is a masterpiece. Bullet tra- <laughs> I liked him in Bullet uh, Train. And, and yeah. I, I think he's great and I think he should like have a long, fruitful career. Yeah. yeah. So like, I mean, what we spoke about in the beginning, like with the Oscars, like the Oscars, the one thing they do 100%, you're nominated, boom, your career explodes. Yes. Yeah explodes yeah. you can see it with everybody so i'm really happy for him to have this uh in yeah. his like belt mm. i think he's probably got this one he's got yeah, it in the bag yeah. and that speech is gonna be beautiful, beautiful. oh yeah beautiful yes. man i'm so happy man i remember when i watched everything every all at once for the first time i was like who is this guy i, yeah. I, rec- I really really recognize him went home afterwards yeah. looked at the cast i was like no way no way it's short round from yeah. indiana Jones. like uh without like i uh, Temple of Doom is my favorite Indiana Jones so film. This, this is the one uh, Temple of Doom also for me I don't think it's the best Indiana Jones film yeah. but for me it's the one I watched the most yeah. Uh, and yeah it's yeah I just know it like ever since I was a kid I, I always wanted I always saw that bit where Short Round drives the car but he has a brick attached to his foot <laughs> so that he can actually hit the pedal <laughs> I wanted to do that when I was a kid so like you know I've been a fan of Temple of Doom since I was you know I grew up watching that film so I, do, yeah. I want him to win yeah um and yeah, I, I can't wait to, to, to see. I, I say this like he's 100% yeah. getting it, but I think, yeah. One of my favorite lines as well is the I would have loved just doing yeah. laundry and taxes. Taxes with you. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, Beautiful. Yeah. Um, also, really quickly, there's two Eternals in that. Yeah, there, there are. There is, yes. Two Eternals there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so next up, we have actress in a supporting role, and the nominations are Angela Bassett for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Hong Chao for The Whale, Kerry Condon for uh, The Banshees of Inisherin, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Su for Everything That's Everywhere All at Once. Such a good category. Yeah. That's so. It really though. is. The, the, Angela will win. Yeah. yeah there is happens. one snub, uh, which is uh, Dolly De Leon. Who was in uh, yes, Triangle of the Triangle of Sadness? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most like acting wise, I think all of Triangle of Sadness's stars were snubbed. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. they're incredible. Like, um, what's the leading, leading Harry Dickinson? Leading guy's name? Yeah, Harry Dickinson. He he's like incredible. He really is. It's the nuance of that performance is insane. Uh, and the, there is a lot the, of the dinner scene in particular, yeah. and the elevator scene right yeah. after. Well, the elevator scene is, <laughs> but the dinner scene like yeah. is spectacular. I told Theo I knew I was going to love the movie when the elevator shot, and we <laughs> thought it was going to be over. Then he yanked <laughs> it open <laughs> again. But I completely forgot about the director snub. A huge director snub is Ruben for no, no, he got he got nominated. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 He should win. That's <laughs> like the nuances of those those scenes. If you if you just read them, they could be really boring. Yeah. Not really boring, but they could be really plain. Well, yeah. But the, all of the all of the spices and things mm-hmm. he adds to them is just so beautiful. When you one one thing to see with a director and their love for their film is you know when Variety, I think it's Variety do directors. Oh, roundtable. Yeah, yeah. No, no, they do the directors, directors on director. Oh, oh yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And they draw onto the screen. Oh, the breakdown. I, I watched the breakdown. that. That, yeah. that was so, yeah. so and his incredible. his breakdown of the initial opening scene. Yeah was so detailed mm-hmm. and he said he took so many takes and then they do a countdown and they have this big dong that he hits yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. um 
the way that he put um, Harris Dickinson's character in the corner, had the wall, yeah. you know, and the darkness behind him to f- make him feel isolated yeah. and the music and the background. He took so much attention to detail and he's done that with all of his films. He's yep. very, very particular and it, it he op- you know he acts as you know an antithesis to what Taika Waititi did when he was doing you know um, Thor: Love and Thunder's notes and he yeah. was talking you know dissing the 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 VFX and stuff like that and sort of taking less care which obviously shows mm. you know I think definitely Harris Dickinson is yeah. like a breakthrough for me I'd love to see and yeah I'd love to see more things and Charlie Dean was incredible in as well yeah rest in peace for sure yeah. anyways so next up we have uh, actress in a leading role. And the nominees are Kate Blanchett. By the way, I feel like I'm an Oscar host or something when I'm reading these out. <laughs> um, uh, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Reisenberg for Two Leslie, uh, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh, two Michelles. Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Now, on the count of three, yes. we're all going to say who we think is going to take home. Sure. Out of, out of the nominations. Out of the nominations. Well, we, out. Well, it's between Michelle and Kate, but we'll see. Okay, so okay, on the count of three, we're gonna say, all right, three, two, one. Michelle, Kate, 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 Kate Blanchett. Okay, Kate. so we got one Michelle, and we got three Kates. Yeah. Yeah. Panwa, since you are the uh, the, the only one who's flyer. Um, now, of course, whoever wins the Screen Actors Guild Award is most likely to win the Oscar, and of course, Kate Blanchett got it. Yeah. Um, the reason I think they'll give it to Michelle Yeoh, there's a few reasons. I think the the first reason, and I can say this because I'm Asian, I think it's because of the race card, um, because they want diversity amongst the actors. And now, I actually think that Michelle is just as good as Kate Blanchett in the film, and I would be very happy to, for her to, to win. Um, and that is not the only reason. The other reason is, of course, because I think if... Okay, okay, hang on. Because I was just thinking now... I, if um, Everything Everywhere wins Best Picture or Best Director, they can then be like, okay, actually, we'll give this to Kate Blanchett because mm-hmm. Tar ain't winning anything else. Yeah. This is Tar's only chance to win an Oscar. And I think that could be the reason that they give it to Kate. And Kate Blanchett is like one of my favorite actors of all time. We'll love for it to win. But I think that with the story of how the last year has gone, with the journey that Everything Everywhere has been on, which is this unbelievable journey that has blown up and everyone loves the film and everyone loves her performance. The heart of the film is Michelle Yeoh. The the soul of the film is really Michelle Yeoh and she's the thing that keeps everything moving, Mm. you know. And I think the performance is so varied, it is so layered, it is so dynamic. And I'm not saying it's better or worse than Blanchett's because I think they're equally good. But I think that the Academy will give it to Michelle because... It, it, because of the story yeah you know because of the, the it's everything everywhere all at once yeah also denzel and casey affleck in 2017 yeah everyone thought denzel was gonna win uh affleck gets it olivia coleman and glenn close in the year after that yeah. everyone thought glenn close was gonna win because she won all of them and then olivia coleman but wins. i think it's quite like 50 50 it is very this one is very a lot 50/50. of people and yeah. um and when it was uh, Chadwick and Anthony Hopkins, they saved that no, uh, that award for, for last, yeah, 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 the yeah best yeah, picture yeah. before, which was I know a lot of people weren't happy about that, but yeah, Michelle for the win. And then what about who was who was in competition with Frances McDormand in No Man Land? Yeah, it was nobody, <laughs> nobody, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> um, and also Kate Blanchett already has an Oscar. She has two. Yes, for one for Aviator, yeah. right, and then one for. Uh, where she, she won for Blue Jasmine yeah. but fun fact wow. Catherine Hepburn has won the most amount of she has four Oscars yeah. Catherine Hepburn has four nobody else has four yeah. Kate Blanchett won an Oscar for playing Catherine Hepburn and she <laughs> <has two. laughs> so. I think the biggest snub of the entire Academies is Margot Robbie in Babylon 
I think oh. Margot Robbie in Babylon is a powerhouse yeah. going through every nuance of every emotion. She is the driving force of that film. Yeah. That film could, it's three hours long. Yeah. It could have flopped. It didn't because she is an energetic bomb. But, yeah, uh, she's incredible in it. I, I, I wouldn't expect her to win, yeah. but a nomination, I think in a, in a different world where the American reception wasn't as bad for Babylon, mm. she was a lock. A yeah. lock, I also but really wanted Mickey. Diego Calva to win, uh, to get nominated. Oh yeah, him as yeah. well. Yeah, that's. I had Diego down as well. I, I thought he, that was. Um, I thought he was fantastic. Mm. But would you say with uh, Margot, I think there's sometimes there's a performance that is in someone's wheelhouse, and we've already seen mm. it. So, for example, Tom Hanks when he did um, the film about the, the in the Western the western film news movie. of the world. Yes, that was very much in his wheelhouse mm. to do this sort of stoic yeah. character. Margot Robbie doing this sort of manic pixie dream girl type character harley quinn harley quinn i tonya it is in her wheelhouse we've seen her go crazy we've seen wolf of wall street we've seen that sort of bit can i ask you lads something mm. you know emma stone was originally meant to be that character. yeah but yeah. it wasn't it was rewritten it was when, rewritten yeah, yeah. and I, I also think that gene smart at one point would have been meryl streep and joven adipo uh, at one point would have been michael b jordan yeah. i'm not certain but i think that's how it was mm, yeah. um what do you think would have been different if emma stone had played the role just out of curiosity so i mean I'll just take it to answer that question as well uh, because for Emma Stone it was written different I think I think when Margot Robbie jumped on they rewrote it to be kind of more like Clarabo inspired mm. um, but for uh, so I think it would have been a lot less eccentric mm. I get what you're saying and I do agree here I think there is a lot of odd like serenity to to Nelly in, in Babylon and I think it is, I am used to, not used to, but I have experienced Margot Robbie in that before. But it's like, to me, that performance really reminds me of Leo in Wolf of Wall Street, where it's like, I've had this conversation years ago, and I was asked, like, what's the most, like, engine, engine-like performance in a film? And I was like, Leo comes to mind immediately because he's just, like, the driving force of the... Always I, switched on. Like, everything, like, always. And she feels like that to yeah. me. Like, I loved Babylon from beginning to end, but... Every time she wasn't on screen, I found myself wanting, like, I want to see Nelly. I want to see, like, this crazy, like, psycho character. Yeah. Interesting. I yeah. also think the, the the some of the best moments of Babylon, the moments of brilliance, is Margot Robbie, because she is playing so, a, a, someone who wants to make it, someone who who's a star. And the scenes where she is acting, mm. where she's, she's essentially playing an actress, the level of depth and complexity yeah. you have to bring to a character like that similar with emma stone as she's like doing the audition in yeah. la la land you have to almost sort of navigate it two ways okay. and for an actress to be able to do that i think is truly something special and i do 100 percent agree with you i think she was massively snubbed here um i will say though i think i think michelle yo is absolutely incredible she made me cry in everything everywhere all at once um however i think that out of all the actresses, looking at all the actresses here, I haven't seen the Fablemans and I haven't seen two Leslie. Mm -hmm. But if you take Kate Blanchett out of Tar, there is no there film. is no Tar. There, she, she, it's the name of the character. It is the, the name of character. This film, one of the biggest strengths of this film Arif. is that it convinced me that Lydia Tar yeah. was a real person. Right. And sh and I agree. I'll say I thought I googled I, it like forty minutes and I thought it thought, was, that was real. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I think that is whenever a film or an actress can, you know, do yeah. that. Yeah. I, I think it's exactly. It's testament to the depth of yeah. where they go with that character. For sure. 100%. Like, I'll, I'll second this as well. Is a, 
the greatest compliment I can give to Kate Blanchett's performance, and she is arguably my favorite actress of all time, um, is that if I could meet one character in real life, and of this year, I could have meet Batman. <laughs> and I still think I would have talked to Lydia Tart instead. You know, I, I think the three greatest gifts Clip that an back. actor could have is um, when, like, Margot Robbie playing an actor yeah. or playing a figure that is so great that they feel like a real person. Yeah. And then the third one is playing two characters in the same movie. Mm. All right. But we didn't have any of it. But personally, I'd like to meet Jake Sully. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like what? to meet Nateam. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to meet Zoe Zaldana. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and see if I would betray the human race. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. Um, we have uh, actor in a leading role. So we have uh, Austin Butler in Elvis, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser in The Whale, Paul Meskel in After Sun, and Bill Nye in Living. How happy uh, am I for Bill Nye? Th this is the I think this, this is, is a really good category. category. Yeah. So strong. Really, really good. And I'm really happy that Paul Meskel made it into this. Same. Mm. Really happy about it. I that. wish um, the, his daughter, the girl plays his daughter, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what her name is, but she was even better than him. She was in great. In it, she, yeah, was she was so was really good. good. She was. The, the only person I would say for me, someone someone put Tom Cruise in, in some of these prediction videos. <laughs> right. but that, yeah, he's not he's not there for me. No. But Diego Calvert, I did think. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. If I was going to do any trades, any I would probably put um, take out Colin Farrell and put in Diego. <sighs> wow. Because he wasn't the biggest fan of Banshees, but yeah. I think the rest of us liked, liked him mm. a bit more than he did. Yeah. Diego um, was so but also good. another thing to note, which is which is really fun and goes back to the sort of romantic side of the Oscars. These are all first time Oscar nominations. Oh. Are they? Yeah. So none of these, oh, none of these. Colin Farrell's never been nominated. Never been Oscar. nominated. My God. Um, so that's exciting that someone will be, you know, yeah, getting to uh, to getting take. Oscar for the first. But match. it will go to Brendan Fraser. See, I'm. I think it's either Austin Butler or Brendan. I Fraser. agree. I have no idea. 50 I want it to go to Brendan Fraser. I agree. I'm such a Brendan Fraser fan. I grew up watching his films and his performances. I bet you even Fraser. Austin Butler wants it to go <laughs> to Brendan. No, you know, I want it to go to Brendan as well, yeah. just because like what kind of a person he is. But I did rewatch a couple of scenes from Elvis the other day. Like, he is incredible as yeah, Elvis. Yeah. Like, all, like if Austin Butler gets it, I'd be like, oh, it's too bad Brendan didn't get it, but I'm still like happy for the dude because he like, he really embodies that character. Yeah. Might I say something that upsets me very deeply? Please do. Um, Rami Malek won for playing Freddie Mercury in <laughs> yeah. Bohemian Rhapsody. Austin Butler is being nominated and might possibly win for playing Elvis Presley. Taron Edison got nothing. <laughs> what the hell? I thought he was the best out of the three. I think, I think the film is the yeah. best out of the three, yeah. but I think uh, Austin Butler is the best out of the three in their performance. Interesting. Because yeah. I just think Rocket Man for me is far and away a superior film to these guys. I, I'm in the minority, mm. um, and I know not everyone feels that way, but I just thought that film deserved so a much lot more of people love. Hate I need to rock it, man. A um, lot of people hate it. For for a year that Joaquin Phoenix won for Joker and Adam Driver did the marriage story, yeah. I wanted Taron to mm. win, and I'm in the minority, I know, but that's my opinion. I think, I, I, think I remember you reacting. Or like, Something it to, might to, have been. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so guys, we've made it on to the final uh, category, the big one. Um, and that is, of course, Best Picture or yes. Best Film of the Year. So the nominations or the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. Okay. 
um, before we get into this, can I just now dedicate maybe two minutes of this po- lovely podcast to oh. speak about mine and Mickey's biggest <laughs> snub, snub, which is Babylon. Well, but we haven't talked about it yet. Though. We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I just wanted to quickly talk about it because I think me and Mickey feel very much the same yeah. and we can discuss this now. Dylan made a very wonderful prediction about Babylon saying when we went to the three of us went to watch it together that I'd enjoy it most, followed by you, followed by you. And that was true. Yeah. Um, I think that Babylon is one of the most epic and cinematic experiences I've seen. I think as a filmmaker, I want to have made that movie. Mm, I I would want to have been on set every day um, for all the challenges and all the trials and tribulations that they must have gone through to make that film. It is a film that feels beautiful and disgusting at the same time. It is if it feels like a nightmare that you do not want to wake up from in the sense that La La Land was a beautiful dream of what Los Angeles and the film industry is. Uh, Babylon is a beautiful nightmare. And I did not want to wake up from that film. I did not want it to end. I thought the acting was fantastic. Every single technical aspect of that film was brilliant. As a filmmaker, I think we all, all four of us can relate to things in that film that most people might not be able to. Um, like the sound scene, like the scene where um, Diego Calva has to drive, you know, miles and miles and miles <laughs> to get a camera and it doesn't rock up. And when it does, he just snatches it and runs off. Um, and, and, you know, like when Brad Pitt is kissing the person at sunset and everyone's like, oh my God, we got the take. Yeah. Um, it's magic like that, that... I'm so glad the film has been able to show a wider audience who might not understand the intensity, but also the wonder of filmmaking. Uh, and I related to that on, on every level. Uh, the ending, which I would love to ask Mickey about, I really enjoyed it. I like it besides the Avatar shot. This is what besides, besides that one shot. You know what I said I to love it. that sequence. You know what I said to Theo? I said it would have been so much worse if he put Whiplash and La La Land in there as well. <laughs> I, I did like it. Um, I to be honest, I'm, I didn't love it though. I think it did come out of like I was like, yeah, this is one weird. of the other things we we forget. Yeah. Obviously, I, I rewatched it and I was looking at the films they chose. They he also put T two in it. Yeah, yeah. He put yeah. Jurassic Park. Yeah, and he, so he put two Cameron films, which is I think maybe because we saw Avatar recently. Yeah. yeah. So it like it really that was like the one. But I was like, this is a. This is so weird. Like, yeah. I was just in, like, 1920s. That's interesting you say this, because the film was supposed to come out the year before, right? Babylon. Yes and or, no. Or I think it was like, delayed because of the Emma Stone and the COVID and then, you know. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. My thing yeah, about... but the editing would have happened. Yeah, yeah, so, they would. Sense. I think they would have selected yeah. that in the editing. That's true. That's true. My thing about Babylon is that it is a cinematic experience mm. that you but but I can definitely see myself rewatching this at home yeah. no problem I can see myself enjoying this at home no problem I agree with everything you said it's a mm. it's a beautiful the more I think about it the more I I, I enjoy it and I love it yeah. I thought that I thought the ending was the boldest choice that yeah. I've seen a director make in the past 10 years of just yeah. like yeah. completely yeah. breaking the rules of logic and yeah. just to have this sort of so cinematic you know, yeah. um, I, you know, idea that he's trying to try well, and Well, you said it best, mate. You said you felt like you got jizzed on by cinema, <laughs> which is so true because there's like all of these colors and all of there's these all the liquid in the Bob's Throne podcast, everybody. There are kids listening. Yeah. Yeah. The, thing was, the thing with Babylon and why I like it less than you guys potentially was is because of these amazing set pieces right throughout the film you've yep. got the opening and you then you've got the film when they're both in these different things was i found there was never the emotional heart of something like 
Boogie Nights that ends with a family and it's sort of mm. at its core. This ends in a sort of sort of coke, a cokey because you know Margot's on coke the whole time. You, I never really bought the connection yep. between Diego Calva's character and and Margot Robbie's character because I did. because of that sort of intensity that she brought. I always just had that little bit of irritation of just like come on, rein it in a bit. Can I ask? Do you, do you wish the film was a bit slower and would kind of stop? At, well, you know I just I, mean? I wish that there were certain bits which which would just push me out of the enjoyment of the film where I'd be really enjoying it and then she'd eat all the food and cover herself and I'd just be like, I don't buy that. Mm. Or, you know, she, she'd she um, come to ask for him for help about the gambling addiction and then he comes back and she's got back on the coke and she's like, he's driving and she's covering his eyes and he pours, like, pulls over the car and tries to fill up with petrol and she runs off. Those bits were just irritating to me as a character. I was just mm-hmm. like... That's um, interesting. Being drawn away, but I thought the LA, the asshole of LA tunnel sequence was was Brilliant. phenomenal. Mm, yeah. Um. So there were just elements where they just dialed up just just to ten when it could have been dialed to eight and would have brought it down a little, brought it down a yeah. notch for maybe people to you know appreciate. Yeah. In in contrast, to that, I'm, I'm very curious what you think about the whole Nelly thing because I think that the. The, the the draw of the character and the appeal of the character is that she is impossible and that the romance between her and uh, Manny was kind of cursed from the very beginning and they were you know like I always have a thing for films romance films in my opinion the best ones aside from when Harry met Sally because that's the goat but every other good romance film it's never clear if they end up together at the end Bef- the before trilogy not clear mm. La La Land mm. they don't Midnight in Paris no they don't mm. so this one they don't I think you know? um more interesting that's a good point I, I think they lacked a little bit of chemistry to be honest mm-hmm. up until he got successful as a character yes because then they had more scenes together yeah and then i just bought it more because before that scene when like he meets her again they had yeah. two scenes together yeah so i just didn't it was such a vital part of the film but i just didn't buy it as much as i maybe should have because they just didn't share that much screen time one thing i do want to say about babylon is I every person I've spoken to in person mm. in the UK or Bulgaria has said they love it. And overall, like theaters are full here. European audiences love it. Yeah. So the reason that I'm like pushing for Babylon yeah. as much as I am is because I think it's it's ridiculous to like look at that film and go objectively that's like a 50% Rotten Tomatoes film. Yeah. That is not. It's that's not, yeah. just not the case. The issue is that American audiences found it too vulgar. Um especially like the opening, which I also don't think it is. It's not vulgar. Because not much European either. audiences are a bit more used to that sort of thing. Mm. But it's because it's the same thing as the Northman, which by the way, I haven't spoken to enough, but I think the Northman is snubbed on like everything. It is. Yeah. But the Northman flopped because audiences found it, it was marketed to be something different. It was mismarketed. It, it was, was marketed, marketed to be like the next gladiator. That was yeah. literally yeah. a quote from the marketing yeah. campaign, the next gladiator. And it was not, it was so much weirder than yeah. anybody thought, myself included. It's like proper Robert Eggers. Yeah. And Babylon is as well, uh, it's it's not what people expected in the States probably. So that's why it flopped there because they just didn't know what they were getting themselves into. But that's why people love it here because they're like, put that film on in France. In France, that's probably the most like bleak film that came yeah. out that year. Quick, you know what I mean? Quick question it may be too soon to do this in terms of it's just come out but if you were going to rank whiplash la la land and babylon 
How would that? How in that order. I think yes. how in that order okay. exactly. Okay, so yeah. you would still from a put personal point of view, Whiplash one, La La Land two, Babylon three. But from a filmmaking point of view, it's the reverse. I would say La La Land, Whiplash, Babylon. But I love all three. I love okay. all three as well. Okay, as La La Land is your favorite. La La Land is the best. Okay. Then Whiplash, then Babylon. But I I do love all three. Yeah. They're really good. And films. and what's interesting is, um, I I read a review that said basically that, uh, you know. Someone like Paul Thomas Anderson romanticizes relationships, quirky relationships and people coming together. Whereas Damien Chazelle throughout his films romanticizes the idea of, um, you know, sacrifice and legacy. Mm, Whiplash, Whiplash, he turns away from his father to do this scene. You know, La La Land, he, you know. They break up. They they break up. Sadly. uh, Seb, you know, turns, you know, to create his um, jazz cafe instead of following her to France. And... And Babylon is the same in terms of legacy, the legacy of cinema. Um, the thing I felt with, you know, Whiplash and La La Land is it was it was a tighter film. The mm, themes were there mm, yeah. and the relationships are all there. And I felt more. I felt mm. more for the characters. And that was the only thing I was disappointed with Babylon. I just, I didn't feel, you know, overly sad when, is this a spoiler? Are we doing spoilers? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Brad, Brad Pitt's character kills himself. Like, right. I I I really liked his character, but it would it wouldn't have been the same if you know uh, Ryan Gosling's character killed himself because you didn't mm. have that same emotional That's connection. A good point. It was That's a, a good point. It was a facade of history rather than really getting you know down and dirty with what these. Characters okay, well in that case, let me ask you this. Um, I I agree with everything you've said, and I also feel the same way. I care so much more about Andrew Neiman, which by the way, it's actually Neiman, but yeah. J.K. Simmons, the character says it wrong on purpose to intimidate him. I'm, I'm, I, that's in the whatever. But um, I care so much more about him than I do about Jack Conrad or whatever. But my question to you is, I think Babylon has... A, okay, Whiplash is the nicest steak and fries dinner you'll ever have. Babylon is the same steak, but you get four of them. By steak number three, you're going to get four. And I think that's what Babylon is because it's snippets of a lot of really, really good stuff, but it might feel too much for some people. And when you have like incredible food just kind of thrown at you, eventually you are going to get full. And I think for most people, it might, that might be the case, you know, and you chunder it out like Margot Robbie does in the film. Mm. You know what I mean? Last question. Don't go in depth. You can go for the best pictures. Just one answer. Once upon a time in Hollywood or Babylon? Babylon. Theo, go first. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I need to rewatch Babylon. That's 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 my my genuine answer. I think that um, I don't know Babylon. Babylon impresses me more. Mm. Um, I think overall, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like it's one of my favorite hangout films. I just have fun with it. Well, Especially, Babylon. I think the difference is that Babylon loves filmmaking. Absolutely. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood loves Hollywood. Yeah, mm. is he? Mm. Yeah. Good point. But I, what, one thing I would say is this is where we probably disagree. Is I still think Tarantino. And Martin Scorsese for uh, Wolf of Wall Street are able to take sprawling films and still tie it all together, so mm, that yeah. the audience leaves going, "Wow, that was that was really good." Whereas Babylon, clearly, fifty-five percent Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. Damien hasn't been able to get mass appeal for this mm. film. He has, you know, we all love it. We're all film fans, and we are biased to Damien Chazelle because yeah. we liked his previous work. But someone walking in who hasn't seen La La Land or Whiplash doesn't have that pre preconception. I think that's a really good. And it's thrown into it. He's failed to capture, mm. you know, the you know a story that is universally yeah. loved by everyone. Unfortunately, yeah. 
No, I, I think you make a really, really good point. And just qu- quickly, just to yeah. finish off this Babylon <laughs> s- section, Babylon for me, when I heard that, the f- firstly, like I, I, I don't, I don't tend to look into films, especially films I'm super, super excited for. I don't tend to look into films uh, that much nowadays before watching them. I don't. I only watch one trailer now, as like a one trailer rule now. For Babylon, it, the, the, when I heard that it was going to be rated like 18 mm. here in the UK, it was like music to my ears because it was like Damien Chazelle. Yeah, he's he's made Whiplash, but for me, it's like Whiplash is a film I know so well that it's almost like a, it's like a part of me. So I don't even think of it as this uh, like outrageous. Oh, I can't show this to kids yeah. kind of film. And then you go and make something like La La Land, which is like, it was like a perfect film. It just, it makes you feel good, but it also makes you feel really sad. It's tied up so well. Whiplash is tied up so well. And then he's then he's gone off and done First Man, and of course it hasn't. Uh, you know resonated or had had the same reaction as his previous two films and now he's on babylon which is in my opinion by far his riskiest film he's taken the most risks i love how film. none of us are talking about first man <laughs> <laughs> go on uh, someone, I mean, someone, someone has to um I, I really like first man i'm just saying um it, it, it is it's his most risky film for, for sure and i think i i always really respect a director when whenever they do take risks even if not all of them pay off um and yeah babylon for me like f- i think I-, I had such a visceral reaction to the film in the cinema i was laughing so much like some scenes like, i i know uh, like a lot of people were complaining that they, they didn't really feel the emotion behind the film but i got really sad like towards the end with the whole nelly and manny situation and i think the music's incredible i think justin Hurwitz score is always the the beating heart and the through line of damien chazelle's films which is it's just incredible i think similar to la la land what you said about la la land it's like all comp- uh, all uh, departments of film coming together in such a beautiful and in sync way and yeah ba- babylon for me like it was one of the most unique theater experiences i've ever had um and yeah d- i think damien Chazelle. I, I have no that, that's this is the beauty of it i have no idea what he's going to do next like yeah. this is the thing every single one of his films have, has been different and everyone always always saying like oh you know he's doing jazz and this and that and it's the same filmmaker but if you really look at all his f- films they are so so different from yeah. each other and when you can show that kind of diversity as a director i think like yeah if i was incredible. damien chazelle i would just quit filmmaking <laughs> <laughs> I'd done it all now. Yeah. My career. um one thing weirdly as you were talking i was thinking babylon and tenet Christopher Nolan's yeah. film give yeah. me give me a very similar do. feeling in yeah. terms of I will go back and rewatch certain scenes because I think you know mm. certain sequences are fantastic you know um a lot of what Robert Pattinson those scenes I always love when they're sort of doing the heist um and so I'll, I'll go back and watch certain scenes because I think it's just phenomenal filmmaking and and a, and a director who really understands how to sort of do a sequence. Yeah. But both of those films, I think, are directors when they get you know a lot Too of much, right? a lot Too of much. freedom. Yeah. yeah. And someone said, you know, do whatever you've you want. called the you know protagonist protagonist, <laughs> then you might be lacking a bit of character <laughs> yeah. depth, or you know, you know, I think I think we can all. Uh, see that mm. with certain directors that their earlier work tends to have a little bit more heart and then the more money they get they the more That's ideas they have that yep. may lessen you know the integral themes of the film it's yeah. like skyfall and spectre mm. exactly yeah. this you know that's exactly your point mm. Mm. so yeah just to round this all up best picture what do we think is is, is taking it everything everywhere everything everywhere yeah Theo? yeah triangle of sadness and <laughs> is that like your pick or do you think that's gonna win oh that's my pick i don't think i don't think it will win i think 
Yeah. Um, if you were to bet on I it. think Banshees will win. You think Banshees yeah. will win? But I your pick is triangle. Pick is triangle, Sandus. Panwa, your pick is everything everywhere. And if I had to put money on it, it would be everything everywhere. But your personal pick also everything everywhere. Yeah, it was my favorite film of last year. My Mickey? favorite film of last year. I haven't decided, but it's either Northman or Triangle of Sadness. Um, so of the nominated Triangle of Sadness, I do think everything everywhere will win, and I think it will be very. Uh, it's it will be a iconic win, and it yeah. should win, and I wouldn't be at all upset. So, Mickey, your favorite film was a joint between Northman and Triangle. Yeah, I haven't decided. I'm still working that out. That's r- wow. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. a good some good choices. Yeah, I'm still my like this year. I had like Northman, Triangle of Sadness, Babylon. I loved. I loved Cha Cha Real Smooth right. a lot. Uh, so there's a few a few films there that I like adored. Mm. Guys, can you explain to me why why Avatar: The Way of Water is on this list? Um, oh, he didn't like. I forget. Uh, but, but no, just in general, like a movie of that scale, you know. It's, yes, but it's, it's James Cameron. You see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember yeah. that it was nominated. It's in two thousand nine alongside Inglorious Bastards, which should have won, yeah. and The Hurt Locker, which did win. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um. So I think James Cameron will always have respect. And I always remember. Have prestige. It, I remember it as a kid. Even that year, Avatar was like a lock. And when Hurt Locker won, that was like, whoa. Yeah. But that was so certain, you know. And what's funny is uh, James Cameron told Catherine Bigelow to go and do the Hurt Locker. Yeah. And she, yeah. And she, and she, she beat him. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, I, I would probably have to go with everything everywhere all at once. I think it's the best film of the year. My personal favorite. I do really like Top Gun Maverick. It's mm. just a personal preference. I'm but so I do. glad it got nominated. I am really glad as well because, and I'm, I, I really love the fact that Joseph Kaczynski's, you know, received this um, reaction for, for for this film. Uh, I think if Top Gun Maverick wins, I will laugh, mm. but I'll be. I mean, I, I I won't be like super disappointed. But I think everything everywhere is the. It's I, written I in it the should, it, would, it's, it really is. It would be. It would be incredible if it wins. Like it, it's. Yeah. It's. You know, you said something about like the direction of the Oscars, like yeah. being this like TikToky. Yeah. But if everything everywhere wins, that's a lovely direction to go into. It is. It's a, such a like small indie. It's the story is great, the cast is great. It's just like it is what these award shows should if be about. If that film wins, everyone on the planet will be happy. Yeah. yeah, yeah except which the racists, which of course. Is, but you know. yeah, which is fantastic. So uh, not. If everyone's mm. like, not, yeah. I noticed one thing just quickly about All Quiet on the Western Front. That film had one producer. Wow. Yeah. Poor bastard. Wow. <laughs> Wowza. Oh. Um, what a lonely speech that would be yeah. if they won. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he has one producer. <laughs> uh, well, guys, I think we are going to wrap it up there then. We have discussed uh, most of the ca- categories. Um, so do let us know and get back to us what you think, uh, what your picks are. Mm. Um, I just want to say a massive thank you to my three guests here. Thank uh, you for having us, Dylan. Oh, no, thank of you. Of course, man. of course. And thank, thank you, you for helping me launch this and finally get this going. It's It's been so much fun. Um, thank you Theo thank you Panwa and thank you Mickey uh, all of their socials uh, will be linked down below if you do want to go check them out there's some really great uh, not just fellow film enthusiasts but filmmakers themselves um, do keep an eye out for their work I'm sure one day um, I know we're talking about the Oscars uh, in this episode but I'm sure I'm confident that you know one day we'll see these guys up there at My some point does uh, does big dog count as a <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know big dog is uh, theo's uh, short film very very good short film it's on uh, flick fanatics so yeah up there we go channel. exactly it's tailor made for flick fanatics it is a huge it is. people who are fanatic yeah. i also want to say a big thank you to joe our cameraman who you can't uh, thank see you, right joe. now who shot this whole joe. thing um couldn't have done it without him 
and, uh, and the cube and the cube for cube. letting us host this uh in one of their studios uh but yeah i think that is it guys i think we're gonna wrap I have it one up. more question of course could you tease what episode two of the podcorn podcast would be like i don't think, it does, do you <laughs> I don't know. think i know what it <laughs> or is that yeah. audience audience Wait, what would you like what would, what you, would like you guys to like yeah. to see yeah. me discuss you wanna, next you wanna tell people to subscribe tell, yes subscribe. of course you guys are doing my job if for me. Anybody right? who deserves more subscribers, <laughs> all right? It's Dylan from the Podcorn Podcast. That's very, that's very kind of you guys. We're uh, making the editing at the end of this <laughs> difficult. <laughs> yeah, I've got to get through a lot of food. Okay, let's shut up now. And then <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, guys, thank you so much for uh, watching, listening, and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast episode. Uh, and please do look forward to many more to come. Um, like I said before, all the socials and respective channels will be linked down below if you guys want to check uh, out any of these uh, lovely gentlemen. Um, and yeah, guys, we'll wrap it up. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And we will catch you very soon uh, in the next episode. Ciao. So cheers. Cheers.